there's an interesting cultural phenomenon that I thought was just going to be a quick fad, but I have now noticed is here to stay. And they are escape rooms. Have you guys heard of these things before? I, I need some crowd, help me out, crowd participation. Who has done an escape room at some point in your life? Okay, I, some decent amount of people. So if you're unfamiliar with this whole concept, what you do is you actually get locked in a room, sometimes with total strangers, and then you have to try to find a way out. And you pay for the experience. You pay people money to be able to do this. And I can't tell you a better way to find out if you're actually going to get along with somebody than getting locked in a room with them and trying to find your way out. And they have all these different themes and they keep upping the ante. But I thought about it. The only reason anybody even remotely enjoys the experience of an escape room is because it is a controlled environment. You'd be having a lot less fun if there wasn't some minimum wage high school student on the other side ready to unlock the doors for you. It would not be nearly as fun. And I don't want to stretch the metaphor too far, but I think you guys are going to see where I'm going with this. I think about life. Life literally has so many escape situations that we have to face. There are times in life where you desperately want to or even need to get out. When I was in high school, I uh, dated a girl briefly. And a couple months into this relationship, I realized I needed an escape. <laughs> Don't you dare judge me. You've had these moments too. Now, I thought my escape plan worked fine. I, I, I set it all up and I, I thought we were good and the relationship was over. Well, before I knew it, a few months later, I'm apparently still in this relationship. And I know what some of you guys are thinking. Well, Brian, that's your fault. You didn't define the relationship. DTR, you know the rules. You know how this works. But anybody in here, you know it can be hard to break things off sometimes. It can be hard to get the clarity of an escape in your life. I had a conversation with a woman just this last week. And she was telling me about her job situation. And she's like, Brian, this workplace is toxic. My boss is insane. Nobody likes working here, but I don't have another option. Like I'm trying, but I can't find anything. I need this money. I can't just quit. I'm trapped. I am trapped in this job. There is no escape. This is a little bit more uh, you know, of a serious example, but just working in ministry, I have a lot of these conversations. There are many people who struggle with some type of addiction in some way. And maybe this is even part of your story. And there are a lot of people who might as well be locked in a jail cell because it is that hard to escape from even some of the habits and strongholds that we have in our own lives. You're gonna have times in your life when you actually need to get out. You need to make an escape. Now, I'm setting this all up because last week we started a series we're calling Summer Classics. And if you are just joining us, the whole premise of this series is that we are talking through some of the most iconic, famous stories in the entire Bible. And what we're saying is that these aren't just powerful stories because they're about a moment in time. We're talking about they even reveal timeless principles and truths about how God even works in our own lives today. And today I want to talk about the ultimate escape, the biggest escape story, escape story that's ever happened in history, and it is the Exodus. Now, if you're unfamiliar with this, this is Israel's escape from Egypt. This is such a profound moment in history that there's an entire book of the Bible named after it called Exodus. And all that word means is escape or a mass departure or evacuation. And it records one of the most famous miracles throughout the entire Bible, the parting of the Red Sea. 
Now, even if you would not consider yourself a church person or a Christian or you're just exploring Jesus, you probably still know some details of this story. You may even know how it ends. But as we said last week, there's a lot of value in watching a movie twice sometimes. And you get a lot more out of it sometimes the second time around. And so I believe God's got some fresh insight for us today. So we're, we're going to dig right in. We're going to be in Exodus 13. If you want to follow along, I'll start in verse 17. But I want to give us some context here. At this moment in time, Israel has just left Egypt. They just witnessed the 10 plagues, which were some of the most profound, powerful miracles anybody had ever experienced in the history of humanity. God delivered them in dramatic fashion. He marched them right out the front door of Egypt. And now they are on their way to freedom after 400 years of debilitating, exhausting, backbreaking slavery. This is a huge moment, massive. And we're going to pick it up right here in verse 17. Chapter 13 of Exodus, it says this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people, what's the next word? Around, by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up, out of Egypt, ready for battle. So there is an interesting dynamic to our lives. Anytime you have some type of change in the works, anytime you have a transition in play, even if you are escaping something to move into something else, you have some idea of how you want that to play out in your mind. You do. So even if, even if you change a job, you're already thinking, okay, this is how much I'd want to make in the next one. This is kind of what I'd want the commute to look like if I'd want to work from home, what I'd want the benefits to be. You have an idea. If you're single in this room, you have a number in your mind of a deadline of when you should be married, right? You got the number, all right? Am I helping anybody out up here? All right, take notes. Um, any of you guys, maybe you're looking at retirement already. You have an age in mind. You have a number that you want in the bank account. You have an idea of what retirement's going to look like. All of us have all these expectations. Now, I'm wondering how many people have had my experience where almost nothing in your life goes according to plan. Has anybody else's plans just blown up in your face? It, it's like God could care less about the blueprint I have for my life. I'm like, God, here's the directions. He's like, oh, that's great. Here we go. Okay. He, he could care less. It almost never works out the way you want it. And it's so funny because Israel, they have an expectation for how this is going to go. They are suited up and ready for battle. They've got armor on and shields. Like, all right, we're going to start marching through these countries. We're going to start cutting people down. We're going to make this thing. We got this. And God's like, well, isn't that cute? They think they're all ready for battle with their cute little swords, and they're just going to make this thing happen. And what he knows that they don't is they're not ready. They can't handle certain routes that they want to take in their own lives. And so what does God do? He takes them around a longer path. And what you are going to find about your life, if you walk with God long enough, many times God will take you on the scenic route. He's going to take you the long way. I remember the moment I felt like I was ready to be a lead pastor. I'd been grinding away in youth ministry, doing the associate thing and all that. I'm like, I have paid my dues. I've learned everything there is to learn about ministry. I know how you're supposed to live your life. My goodness, I'm 27 years old. I know everything there is to know about life and ministry. 
And so I was ready to go. I started suiting up. I got my armor. I'm like, let's do this thing, God. It's time to go. I got a path. Let's make it happen. And God said, well, isn't that cute? You think you're ready to be a big boy pastor now, don't you? And it, what I thought was going to be a quick job transition turned into six and a half years of wandering around on a desert road. And I was so frustrated. I was so anxious. I was so impatient. I was mad at God, honestly, sometimes about it. Because I'm like, God, I got plants. You don't seem to care at all about this path I want to take. And what I find now on the other side of it, after all those years and now even doing the lead thing for a while, is I am so glad God did not take me by the shorter route. There are so many things you don't see that God is protecting you from. There are so many things you can't handle that he is taking you around. Some of you in here, God has you on the scenic route right now. You're going the long way. You got a destination you want to get to, and it's taking much longer, and you're frustrated. But you need to understand, God knows exactly what you can handle. And sometimes he has to take you around. You better just sit back and enjoy the scenery, because this is going to take a while. <laughs> it's going to take a minute. But what's so encouraging about this is you can trust the direction of God. He's not just aimlessly having you wander around. He has a path he wants you to take. And by his grace, he will sometimes take you on the scenic route. So God has these people on the long path. And they're expecting something, but he's got a whole different plan. And as they're doing this roundabout way, we pick it up in Exodus 14, verse 1. It says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hahiroth. Say that ten times fast. Between Mignol and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. God says, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I'm the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Now pause. For anybody who fell asleep, pop quiz moment. This is not a trick question. Who led Israel to the Red Sea? Who did it? Not a trick question. Come on, I need, I need better than that. God, okay, God, right? Okay, second question. Who influenced Pharaoh to start chasing after them? Does anybody else have a problem with this? Is anybody else frustrated right now? I, I read this stuff in the Bible, I actually get kind of mad. Because I'm like, well, 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 hold on. God, you just led them out of free, freedom, and now you're going to have the slave master chase after them. I mean, what kind of psychological game is this? They're going to need counseling after this. This is a PTSD experience. And sometimes I'm like, God, what kind of cat and mouse game is this? This is not fair. How can you do this to people? It's like you're playing games with our lives. This is what it feels like. Like, God, you're literally just messing with me right now. This is not fair. I, um, I recently heard a story about how cod became a popular restaurant item. That's quite a segue, right? You're like, where in the world? Weren't we just talking about? I promise we're going somewhere with this, all right? So I, I hear that cod first became popular on the East Coast because you catch them in the Atlantic. So anybody from the East Coast, you know that cod is this huge staple. It's super popular in restaurants. People love the texture and the taste. Well, everybody out West started hearing about how good cod is. They're like, we want some of this in our restaurants too. And so 
what they did is they started to ship the cod across the country. But what they do is they catch it, kill it, and put it on ice, and then drive it across the country on trucks. Now, anybody from Colorado, you know this. You got to be very suspect of any fish you eat at a restaurant. Because we are in Middle Earth right here. You eat any fish, you know it didn't come from a couple miles away. That thing got shipped from somewhere, and it might be nasty. So they, they ship these fish on ice. And then they would thaw them out and have them at restaurants. But they got confused because the fish lost all their texture and taste. And they were really nasty. And they're like, well, that doesn't make sense. So they actually tried something else. They caught the cod and kept them alive. They put them in these tanks in the trucks. And they would drive them across the country and then serve them at the restaurants. And they were astounded because the texture and the taste was still nasty. They weren't fresh. And it kind of leads to this interesting question. How can something be alive and still not be fresh? You know, there's a lot of people who have a pulse. They're going about their life. They're working a job but they stank like nasty fish. They're like stinky, stinky fish. And I'm not saying they need a shower or anything. There is something going on in their soul that is just not fresh. And you can still be alive, but you are missing the purposes of God. You're missing his direction. You're not living into his will. You're not fresh. You're just not fresh. Now, they tried one more thing to try to figure this out. Cause like, we gotta get these cod out west. These Coloradans want their cod. And so what they did was they kept the fish alive, put them in the tanks, but they put some catfish in the tanks too. Catfish are natural predators of cod. They eat these things. But what happened was the entire drive over from the East Coast out here, these fish are in freakout mode the entire drive. They're just like, something's going to eat me and kill me in this tank. I got to keep swimming. I got to keep going. And guess what they found out? You dish that cod out with the catfish, and it is delicious. Perfectly fresh and tasty. Here's where I'm getting at. How many of us in here are constantly praying to God to take the catfish out of our tank? We're saying, God... Make my life easier. Take this stuff out. It's driving me crazy. I want a catfish-free tank. Can I just live my life? And God says, well, there's something you don't understand. I put the catfish in that tank. I'm the one doing that to you. Because if I don't put some catfish in your tank, you don't stay fresh. And I know there's a lot of us in here today, you don't even start praying until life gets hard. Right? You're just coasting about, and then it hits the fan. And before you know it, you're on your knees, praying in tongues, seeking God, going all sorts of crazy. You get very spiritual. Some of us in here, God knows, you need a couple catfish coming after you for you to really start moving in his direction and towards his purposes. Some of you guys, you got to thank God for some of the catfish in your life. Some of you are sitting next to your catfish right now. Oh, that's another sermon. Um, God looks at Israel. And he's like, I got to put a couple catfish in this tank. And he gets Pharaoh on their heels. And what you just need to know, though, is this is not God playing games with your life. He's not just messing with you. 
He's not trying to set you up to fail. He is trying to get you to move in the directions he has for you. It's always for good intentions. He's not trying to undermine your life. So now we see what happens. We got some catfish in the tank. What's about to go down? Verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you to Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? Key line right here we'll come back to. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. These people saw the 10 plagues. They saw God miraculously deliver them out of Egypt. They are on the cusp of one of the greatest miracles ever to happen in the history of humanity. And you know what they are? Terrified and frustrated. Extremely frustrated. They're furious. Starting to blame Moses crying out to God. They're like, we're going to die out here. We should have just gone back to slavery. That would have been better. And I know what's so easy. It's like, oh, those silly Israelites. I'm glad we're so cultured here in 2023. That's you. You're that. I'm that. Don't we get so crazy when our backs are against the wall? We start saying all sorts of crazy stuff. We do crazy stuff. We start thinking things. These people are creating a false account of history too. They're like, Moses, didn't we tell you to leave us alone? No, you never said that. You never said that. There's no account of them ever being like, Moses, just please leave us. No, they're like, get us out, set us free. So now they're just making up all kinds of stories. These people are losing their minds. How many times though, do we go to God and we say, God, this is not what I wanted. God, this is not what I asked for. You know what God says? Oh, yes, you did. This is exactly what you asked for. Or are you just mad because you don't like how the answer was delivered? Are you just upset because it didn't come in the package you were expecting? God, send me a spouse. I just want to get married. I want to put a ring on it. I got a vision for my family. Six weeks into the marriage, God, what have you done? This man is driving me crazy. I can't do this for 40 years. God, use me as a witness in my workplace. I just want to be a light for Jesus. I want to change lives. Two weeks into the job, Lord, these people are crazy. I don't like a single one. Change my job immediately. Lord, I just want to trust you. Teach me to trust you. Two minutes later, Lord, what are you doing? I don't understand any of this. You know, a lot of us, God is answering your prayers. You just don't like the way he's doing it. Israel, they got everything they asked for. They got delivered from 400 years of slavery. They're on the edge of freedom. They're like, God, this is not how we wanted it. This is such a dangerous place to get to in your life because you're going to be very tempted to say these very words that they said. It would have been better. 
Ooh, those are dangerous words. Those are some dangerous, dangerous words. That fear and uncertainty starts to come up and you have that future that you can't quite see clearly. You're not sure how it's gonna work out. And what you will start doing is you'll start looking back and you'll start even longing for it. And you'll even create up a hypo, create a hypothetical past that never even existed, but you're idealizing it in your mind, telling yourself it would have been so much better. Man, it would have been better if I married that other person. It would have been better if I never moved. It would have been better if I never took that job. We should have never broke up. It would have been better if we didn't break up. It would have been better to be a slave. Are you so sure about that? How confident are you about how true that really is? I have a friend here in Colorado. We went to high school together and uh, he lives down in the south part of the state. And every once in a while we'll text and catch up and everything. And on our most recent text conversation, he hit me up. He's like, man, wasn't high school awesome, Brian? Like those were the days. Like, don't you just miss high school? And I don't text this. I'm just telling you guys what I want to text to him. What I want to say is, dude, you hated high school. You were miserable and depressed. You were high all the time just playing video games. I know some of you thinking you're like, that actually doesn't sound so bad. That actually sounds like a great experience. That, we need to talk about that. But I'm like, dude, it what, like, what, what's making you think so good? You got some kids now. You're doing the thing. I know adulting isn't always fun, but it wasn't better. It wasn't better as much as you tell yourself that. And you will never be able to move towards the preferred future God has for you if you are constantly looking back. You'll never be able to step into what God has for you if you're always telling yourself it would have been better. Are you looking back right now? Are you telling yourself that some hypothetical past would have been a much better life for you? You cannot step into the future if you're constantly looking to the past. You cannot say it would have been better. You don't know. You have no idea. And we see that actually God is always working, even in the middle of these feelings and experiences. Verse 13, we pick it up. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Man, that'll preach, won't it? Doesn't that, just, that was a great sermon right there Moses gave. A lot shorter than mine too. And this, this sounds good, right? This is quite the pep talk. And I'm, I'm just thinking, Moses is like, hey, we saw the miracles, guys. God did it. He's got our back. It's going to happen. You just need to hang tight. Be still. You don't need to do a thing. You're good. And what's so funny is like right after this, Moses is like, okay, God, I just told them a bunch of stuff. Can you make sure that happens now? Because I just made a bunch of promises I'm not sure I could even fulfill. So I'm just asking you to kind of bring this thing all together. <laughs> Gets a little ahead of himself. And this next line is one of my favorites, like, honestly, the Bible, this entire story, it, it just makes me laugh. Moses is crying out to God, all right, Lord, let's do it. Let's see the miracle. And verse 15, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Why are you crying out to me? 
how about because you're the reason we're in this mess, God? How about because it's your fault for why we're even here getting chased by some Egyptians? How about we just start with the fact that you're God? How about I'm crying out to you because you're God? What do you want me to do? Call my mom right now? Who am I supposed to talk to? There's nobody else. Like, why is God even asking this question? Why are you crying out to me? This should be obvious, Lord. And one thing I will acknowledge, you read through the Bible, there are times when God commands us to be still. He says, don't you dare move. I've got this. Be still, know that I'm God. But there's other times when God says, you know what? You've prayed about this enough. You've thought about it enough. You've sought enough counsel. You've considered all the different data points of dynamics. And so there are times when God says, move on. Get going. Put your butt in gear. Now, I'm sure a lot of people in here, you probably have a driver's license, right? A lot of people drove to get here to church today. You can learn a lot about somebody based on their driving habits. And this is going to say a lot about some of the people in this room here, because if you've driven for any length of time, you've had this experience. You're at a stoplight and there's somebody in front of you and it's red and then it turns green. And the person in front of you still has their foot on the brake. Now, this will say a lot about you because there's a lot of rules of the road. Who in here, you are the most non-confrontational person, so you're, you will wait till Jesus comes back. You will not tell this person to move because you're like, I don't want them to shoot me or fight me or something like that. Any non-confrontational, you'll wait forever. Okay, you're not even raising your hand in church because you're like, I don't want to be seen in church. Okay, so there's you. There's another group of people, though. And you know who you are. The minute that light is green, your car is in the back of their bumper because you're not even going to wait half a second for them to get going. And you're like, let's go. It's green. I don't care if you got a gun or anything. I will fight you to get this line going. But regardless of your personality style there, um, there is a very important rule when you got the person who's not moving in front of you. And it, it signals a lot because how are you supposed to beep when you have that person in front of you? How do you do it? Beep, beep, right? Real, real gentle, nice, nice and soft. Because you don't want to be the horn lay on person because now you're asking for a fight. You're asking to beat up on the road. Just, just beep, beep, get some moving. That's all you need to do. And that usually gets their attention and gets the line going. Well, here's where I'm getting at. There's times when you're sitting in the traffic of life and you're just hanging out with your foot on the brake and God's behind you going, I know it's the Red Sea, but the light is green. Beep, beep. Move on. Let's go. We got places to be. And I actually love how some of the other translations say there's different versions of the Bible. So ESV says, go forward. NLT, get moving. God is so direct sometimes. You know, the biggest mistakes I feel like I see people make when it comes to going on their faith journey is not so much that they make the wrong moves. It's often that they don't move at all. That's what a lot of mistakes I see people make. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're still going to their job. They're taking trips. They got a social life. They're doing the thing, but their life is totally stationary at the same time. They haven't moved an inch towards God's purposes for their lives. And sometimes it's people being paralyzed just by indecision. They don't know which way to go. Sometimes it's the fear of just the unknown in the future. Sometimes it's just straight up complacency, but their foot is sitting on the brake. You need to know today though, if you're alive, you are in the middle of moving traffic. 
the, the light's green. And God is saying, you better put your foot on the gas here because we got places to be. We got somewhere to go. Israel wants to go backwards. They're like, let's just go back to what we knew. It was familiar. We didn't love it, but at least we knew what we could expect. And God is saying, no, you have only one option here. You can't go back. You actually can't go around now. There's only one option, forward. That is the only way to go. And some of you in here are like, well, God, I, I need some more information, though. What's, what, where does, what does that entail? Where is forward going to take me? And God's like, here's what I'm going to say it again. Forward. That's all you get. Go forward. But, well, hold on, God. But what's going to happen, though? Because it's going to work out with my, my IRA, and i got to retire this time. Move on. Beep, beep. Some of you here today, again, you got to consider your own situation. I understand there's nuance. But God is saying to some of you, move on. Get moving. Go forward. See, God will steer, but you still got to put your foot on the gas. It's time to get moving. So this is kind of crazy. So things start to move. And God says, hey, lift up your staff. We're going to do something incredible. And there's a whole sermon there on what you need is already in your hand. God's not asking to have you something extra. That'd be an incredible sermon right there. The angel of the Lord moves from in front to behind them to protect them and watch over them. You get to see God's not just a guide. He's a guardian. There's a whole amazing sermon there. And then after all that stuff, I don't have all the time to talk about it. I got to jump to 21. We see things start to get moving here. It says, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, just a side note, how cool is it that God sometimes moves in the darkest times of our lives? And that's sometimes when the greatest miracles happen. It says, all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. I just got to add this side note. You know, many times God is perfectly happy to use natural occurrences for miracles. He's perfectly fine with using the laws of science and nature. And we sometimes think miracles have to be this dramatic thing. God used wind here. Wind, total natural occurrence. Doesn't make it any less of a miracle. Sorry, couldn't help myself. The waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. They are at a total dead end. There is an enemy nation with a superior military force that wants to enslave them for another 400 years. No way out, no way around, no way back. And what does God do? He makes a way through, right down the middle. He splits the sea right in half and builds an aquarium on both sides of them so they can enjoy all the dolphins and the sharks. Total unbelievable miracle. This moment sets Israel in motion to completely change history forever. This is the moment that gets them on path to form a national identity, to step into this promised geographical plot, to even now, thousands of years later, we're standing here in 2023, and you can point to this nation on a map. God knows how to make a way through. When there is no other way, he can part the sea to get you through. There are a lot of things in life where you cannot go back. There's a lot of stuff you're going to face. You can't go around. You have one option. You have to go through. The only way to fix that marriage 
is through. The only way to clean up the financial mess? Through. The only way to really get to the other side of that addiction? Through. And when you are facing seemingly impossible situations, God says, I have a way through. Now, I need some help in second service today. Can anybody be a witness for me and say, God has gotten you through some stuff? Does anybody have some stories of God getting you through? Has anybody survived some things in this place today? You've seen God take you through. There are some of you in here today, oh, it wasn't fun. You did not enjoy a single minute of it, but God got you through. Some of you in here, you should be dead, but God got you through. Some of you in here, you should definitely not be in church on a Sunday in July. You should not be in church, period. What are you even doing here? Well, God got you through. That's why. Some of us in here, you should be in a gutter, sipping some bottle with some needle, and yet God got you through. I know so many people, they should be bitter and resentful and miserable and just mad at God, and yet he got them through. If you will commit yourself to move on, to go forward, to just get moving. God says, I am the one that makes the way through. I have a way to get you to the other side. Even if I have to split the sea to make it happen, God is committed to getting you through. That is his promise to you. He's a master at it. Now, with this entire series, I'm trying to really emphasize this. The reason these stories are iconic, the reason they're classics, the reason they're timeless is because, again, they are not just referencing events from the past. They are actually revealing the very ways God wants to work in your life today. So please follow me. This is the stuff that is so important for us to get. God uses this Red Sea moment in history, not just as a time and place to deliver a people out of slavery, but he also used it as a foreshadow of what was to come. So if you read through the New Testament, it will describe the Red Sea event as a form of baptism. It talks about how God brought them through the waters. And he uses it as this image of taking people from their past and bringing them into their future. From taking them out of slavery into freedom. From even in a figurative way, taking them from death to life. This exodus moment, this baptism these people went through was a cleansing for their souls. It was a salvation moment. God saved these people. And what you need here today is God wants to save you. He wants to set you free. Now, you don't have some enemy nation chasing you at your heels. You have something a lot worse, much, much worse and more dangerous. You're a slave to sin. That's the way the Bible describes it. Every single one of us have the shackles of sin in our very souls. And it's what causes us to make all those decisions we regret, to do all those things that mess up our lives. It's the reason for all the brokenness in this world. 
And we desperately need to be set free from this slavery. Now, I know some of you in here, you're like, Brian, I'm actually doing pretty good. Life's actually working just fine. Well, you just got way too comfortable in your cell because you're locked in there nice and tight. You don't have the keys. And so this whole event, God was trying to show his very heart of his desire to help every single one of us escape from the very things that hold us down from his purposes and the life he has for us. But this is the good news. God made a way. He has the keys. And he made a way through for every single person here. Because many years after this crossing of the Red Sea, Jesus shows up. And when he was doing his life and ministry here on earth, he said something kind of interesting in Mark 10, 38 to his followers. He said, can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? Now, what a strange question. Jesus was already baptized. His followers were already baptized. So what, what is he even talking about? Well, he wasn't talking about just getting dipped in some lake. He was talking about the ultimate baptism where he did not just figuratively pass through death to life like these people at the Red Sea. He literally entered into the waters of death itself on our behalf. And on the cross, Jesus went through sin and death itself and came out the other side three days later, defeating sin and death once and for all. And by doing that, he separated what was in our way to step into his own life. We can clap right now. We can just thank God for all of this. Do you see, Jesus made a way through for you. And if he was able to make a way through sin and death itself, you think he can't make a way through whatever else you're gonna face? You think he can't carve out a path? If he can part the seas, he can do whatever he needs to do to get you through to the other side. And that is why Hebrews eleven twenty nine says this, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. This is how you go through. It is not by your own white knuckling it. It's not by your own resources. It's not by your own hard work. It is by faith. It is putting your full trust and dependence on Jesus. That is how you get through. So I have a very important question I ask us today. Have you gone through? Have you crossed over to the other side? Have you moved from death to life? Have you moved from slavery to freedom? Have you experienced Jesus getting you through? That is what salvation is. That is what God wants to do in your life. And there's a moment when you decide, Jesus, I wanna go through. I'm giving you everything. And that is what provides the power we need even to live every day here. Some of you have done this, you've gone through. And you've already been starting to taste some of those bits and pieces of the freedom of Jesus and what it's doing in your life. And that is why a good number of you guys are getting baptized here in a couple weeks. We have our baptism Sunday coming up and we already have tons of people signed up. And this is gonna be an incredible celebration. And how cool is it for those of you getting baptized that you are stepping into something that God was already in the works doing thousands of years ago. That he already had this planned out for what this is gonna mean in your own life and the date and the time and what it all represents. See, you're not just gonna go in a little tub and get soaked in two weeks. You're gonna pass from death to life. You're gonna go through with Jesus. And again, it's not the baptism that saves you, it's the faith, but it is a powerful moment when you go through those waters and say, Jesus, I'm putting my full trust in you. Some of you in here, you need to do that. 
You have not taken that full step. You have not gone through yet with Jesus. He says, I want baptism to be the way you show yourself in the world that you're going through with me. We're gonna sing a song that is so perfect for this message. Soul and team prepped it just for today. But I just wanna say to everybody here, God has made a way for you. He has an escape. If you will just move on, if you will just get moving and commit to going forward, he says, I will get you through. Do you receive this in Jesus' name? I hope you do. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much that you are a God where there is no barrier too great. There is nothing impossible. There's no true dead end with our God that you can even part the sea, Lord, if you need to get us through. And God, I pray right now for anybody right now that feels like they're being on, taken on the scenic route right now. They're going the long way. They're feeling lost in the desert. They're feeling discouraged. Give them fresh hope today, Lord, that you are taking them towards a preferred destination. You are taking them forward. So help us not to look back, Lord, at our past, at the things that are behind us. Help us step into what you have ahead. And I pray, Lord, for the faith and the courage to go through with you to step into what you have for us, even if it seems impossible, God. And I thank you, Lord, for the hope we have in Jesus, that because he went through on our behalf, we now have the promise of getting through too. And if you have not placed your faith in Jesus right now, you can say, Jesus, I want to go through with you. I need your presence. I need your power. I need you to set me free. Reach out to him in your own heart. Reach out to him in your mind. And he will get you through, not just in this life, but in the next, Lord. So we lift all of these things up to you in the wonderful name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. If you would like to learn more about Northern Hills, you can go to nhills.org. You can also follow us online on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram for more updates and events. We look forward to seeing you next week.